Phantomaniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I'm your host, Dave, and a lot has happened since the last time I recorded one of these. Uh, I am not going to get into it, because I do not feel that the Needless Things Podcast is the place. I, I'm I just not. I can't, I can't go there right now, but I will say this. If you're resistant to the idea or the phrase black lives matter, then please educate yourself. If you don't wish to do that, if you wish to argue over whether or not black lives matter, then please feel free to get the fuck out and let the door hit you in the ass as you go. Uh, there will be no tolerance whatsoever for any, any arguments against black lives matter. Uh, it's, it's too big now. It's always been too big, but now is the time to stop acting like that's anything but a fact. Uh, it's not, this isn't the place, this isn't the podcast for a serious uh, discourse on such things, but I do want you to know where I stand, where all of needless things stands, and, you know, I, I don't, maybe something could happen in the future, but this, it's, I'm just not ready for this kind of thing. But I want everybody to fully 100% understand that that's where we stand with the protesters, with the idea that Black Lives Matter, uh, and with the idea that this country needs a leader that believes equality is a priority and that's as much as i'm going to say about that because we gotta get to what we normally do around here um which is talk about toys but before we talk about toys i have a few bits of news All right, you got to bear with me. You got to be a little understanding because what passes for news in the world of pop culture these days uh, varies greatly. So, uh, first, I'm going to give you some news that is some Needless Things news. And that is that you can go to the Needless Things YouTube channel and find all kinds of cool unboxing videos. Uh, I cut back a little bit this week because of everything that's been going on. Monday, uh, there was an unboxing for some of the retro transformers from Walmart, uh, specifically Soundwave. I had a lot of fun doing that one. I think it's a fun video. And then for the rest of the week, I refrained from doing anything. We'll have a new episode of Execute Chapter 66 next week. Uh, this just didn't feel like I, I wanted to take a few days of a break. And that doesn't mean that now all of a sudden what's going on in the world is just done. It just means that I, I do want to carry on business as usual while promoting certain messages here, I guess it's going to be, 
it's going to be a little wobbly for a while. You'll have to forgive me. Uh, please join the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group, unless you are a racist, in which case, do not. Uh, I might have to add a question. I, it never occurred to me that I might need to weed out racists, but racists need to be weeded out. So I might need to add something like that in there. Uh, I've been doing some live stuff on there. As a matter of fact, uh, probably won't be tonight because it's ended up being really late before I've gotten around to recording. Uh, but I've been doing uh, different unboxings. I've got one uh, that I'm going to do. It's it's some cool G.I. Joe stuff that I just got. And then just every once in a while when I get something in the mail, I'll, I'll unbox it. I just did one the other day that was a, a bunch of packages at once. It was fun to just sort of mess around and, and show the group the, the stuff that came in and share my thoughts on it. Uh my next asterisk was current events, and I think I've said really as much as I'm comfortable saying at this point about current events. Uh, I passed, on the way home from work today, I passed a group of, you know, I don't want to say protesters, because protesting to me sounds like they're against something and while, yes, they're against racism, they're against fascism, they're against uh, our current hilariously inept government, uh, I, I prefer to think of them as demonstrators. They're out to demonstrate love and compassion uh, and humanity. So, I, personally, I'm going to refrain from the word protesters, also because I think it carries a bit of a negative connotation, whereas demonstrators, to me, sounds exciting and interesting, uh, I don't know. I just prefer, and maybe I'm, I might be wrong. I'm not one of the ones out there doing that because it's just not something that I can fit into my life. Uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, sorry for that. There are other ways that I can support these things, but uh, I prefer the term demonstrators. And I passed a bunch of demonstrators, a whole intersection, all four sides of it, just covered with people with signs, people out very peaceably showing their support for the change that needs to happen uh and and i thought it was exciting and i liked it and uh i i hope this has results it needs to uh all right moving to my next next asterisk uh hasbro ghostbusters (laughs) for let's lighten it up right so i went into target the other day uh, because, uh, as I mentioned, every single week, I still have been going to work throughout the whole pandemic situation. Uh, my job is essential, and I have to get stuff for work, so I stop at Target every once in a while. I'll stop at Walmart, blech, and uh stopped at Target the other day, and they actually had one of the new Ghostbusters from Hasbro. Not the, not the throwback ones, one of the actual new Ghostbusters series. It was Ray, and I thought it looked terrible. I think Mattel's old classic ghostbusters look better than this figure now i did not have a side-by-side comparison so i'd be very interested to see that i would not be twenty dollars interested to see that uh but beyond that i've got the mezco 112 ghostbusters and nothing will ever be better than those so i don't i don't know i i i knew i wouldn't be buying these hasbro ghostbusters but at the same time, I thought there was a possibility once I saw them in person, I wouldn't be able to resist because they do, they are going to have additional characters that Mezco d- doesn't look like they're going to produce, but the, the Ray just did not look good to me. Um, 
the plastic looked cheap. Uh, his his face, his likeness was not great. Uh, I don't know. It just didn't hit the mark. So I, I'm curious to see the rest and see if maybe he's just the worst of the bunch or if they all, you know, for me personally, fall short of, of what I want from Ghostbusters figures. And believe me, if you've been listening over the years, you know I have oddly and unreasonably high standards for my Ghostbusters figures. I've been through them all all you guys okay not like the high-end uh one-sixth scale 270 dollars a piece ones but like all the ones that are in the reasonable retail price range i've had and uh the the 112s are the only ones that could soothe my ghostbuster needing soul Uh, another ghostbusters news i pre-ordered the kenner ghostbusters uh the real ghostbusters that hasbro's producing i pre-ordered them from walmart because they're exclusive to Walmart, which is the worst, but I did it. And after receiving all of the Star Wars retro collection figures in various states of being crushed and bent and and almost intentionally destroyed in a couple of cases, uh, these new Ghostbusters figures came packed in cartons that almost seemed specifically made for them, very carefully, securely packed inside. One of them even had a bubble envelope around it. I, I was flabbergasted. And these things, uh, there are a couple of edges that are, they're not like bent or nicked or anything like that, but just sort of, it's caseware. Honestly, I've pulled I've pulled figures fresh from the case with this kind of just like, where the edges are just a little... I don't know how to describe it. But anyway, they're mint, pristine. They look incredible, and I cannot believe they came from Walmart uh, because in the past it has seemed that Walmart has wild animals randomly throwing objects into boxes and taping them shut. And these were clearly packed with care. I mean, it wasn't wasn't just a matter of, oh, well, they accidentally packed these well – like they were very clearly taken care of. So hopefully Walmart got some feedback from the Star Wars retro collection fiasco and decided they needed to change their ways with their collector figures. And I I know that Hasbro and Mattel are working closely with these big retailers to try and do a better job with these these uh collector's edition figures with these exclusive figures it's like mattel working with target to get pre-orders up for the wwe legends um hasbro with all the pre-orders they got onto target's website uh stuff like that i know they're working hard to get these retailers to understand what kind of lucrative business these are And, and look the retailers if they can get anybody if hasbro can get anybody from walmart to give a shit about how well their stuff is packed, that's a big victory because, you know, Walmart cares a whole lot more about cotton swabs than they do about real Ghostbusters. So, you know, anything we can get going forward is great. And I have to say, as much as I hate Walmart, they did a great job packing these two. Now, we'll see what the four Ghostbusters look like when they arrive, whenever that happens. Uh, But anyway, uh, that's really... That's all I got for news, you guys. It's it's, oof. Times are times are what they are. Now you may be wondering, Dave, 
what kind of pop culture entertainment do you have planned for us this week? This week, I've got a toy collecting extravaganza lined up. Uh, as you all know, I won't shut up about it. I have been rebuilding my vintage G.I. Joe collection, the real American hero figures that I had when I was a kid that I foolishly lost track of over the years, didn't take good enough care of, left in my parents' attic, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I was a fool. But fortunately, my good buddy and director, Wilson, uh, gifted me a massive collection of of very nice condition joes and this has kickstarted uh, a collection or i guess me adding to this collection which granted technically started when i caved in last year at uh joe fest in augusta and bought myself a killer whale and a bug uh cobra bug but now this thing is in full swing and as i have been shopping ebay and wishing i could go to conventions or toy shows or whatever uh, I have really been experiencing a very different kind of satisfaction from collecting these vintage toys than I get from collecting modern toys. So I wanted to have a conversation sort of comparing and contrasting the two very different hobbies. And so I went into the major wrestling figure podcast facebook group which you can join by joining their patreon it is an exclusive club and i knew that any responses i got there would be serious collectors and the gentleman who just so happened to respond is somebody that i was already familiar with and i will give him his introduction during the meat of the episode in just a minute here but uh, so somebody I, whose work I've been familiar with for a while, and when he was the one that, was, that responded, I was like, oh, cool, I, I know who this guy is. I know some of his, his habits and stuff. Like, this could be a very interesting conversation. And it turned out to be a great conversation that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. Uh, we didn't necessarily focus as much on comparing. It was just, it's just a big conversation about collecting and what we love about it, and some of what we hate about it. And I've got to say, I probably come off a little negative about modern collecting. And honestly, it's kind of where I'm at right now. But I love modern toys. I think they're the best toys ever. But there's there's no emotional stake in them. So it's easier to nitpick some of the things we have to go through to get the modern toys. But you'll hear all of that in my conversation with the awesome Bob Burke on this week's episode. So you guys, sit back, grab your favorite vintage toy, grab your favorite recent purchase, whether you've gotten it online or you've managed to find something in the disaster that is brick and mortar right now. I want you to sit down with those two things and appreciate them both in different ways, along with me and Bob, as we discuss the magic of any kind of toy collecting. All right, Phantomaniacs, it is time for some toy talk, and I've had this idea in the back of my head kind of knocking around for a few months now because I've been getting much deeper into older vintage toys 
than I have traditionally been. And there's a conversation to be had about that. And for that conversation, I cast my net out onto the net and came back with a gentleman who I've been familiar with for quite a few years now. Uh, But this is the first time we've talked, and I know he's an authority on what we're going to be talking about today. He is the -the glow-in-the-dark champion, the originator of Glowmania. Please welcome to the Needless Things podcast, Mr. Bob Burke. Oh, man, there's no way to even top an intro like that, Dave. Thank you so much for that. There's no way to even, there's nothing I can say or do that's going to even come close to topping that. So thank you very much for recognizing that. Yes, I am the -the glow-in-the-dark world champion. Dude, I, when you, the first time I saw that title, uh, at at least a couple of years ago, if not longer, um, because you, if you go to your Instagram, which, by the way, put over your Instagram. At Bob Burke Art. um, It's... Any show appearances I have, all my newest art, uh, toys, pretty much anything. I, I actually I use the Instagram like also for like my personal life too, kind of not too too personal, but it's mostly my art. Um, so yeah, I mean that's the first place I think I ever posted it was on my Instagram. And that's what I've got. I've got one Instagram that's kind of not really personal life, but just sort of individual stuff. And then I've got the podcast Instagram that's specifically people i've talked to or or artists or or whatever like it's i try to keep one quote-unquote business like promotional you know what i mean yeah uh so yeah you've got the glow in the dark world championship on there it's beautiful and as thank you uh, all the listeners know that's one glow in the dark toys are one of my big thing well just glow in the dark in general but specifically glow in the dark toys love them uh but Oddly enough, we're, well, they may come up. We may talk about a couple of glow-in-the-dark toys, but what I wanted to talk about today was what we get out of collecting vintage toys, by which I mean toy lines that are no longer around, things that we grew up with, things from you know more than 20 years ago probably, uh, toy lines that are done versus collecting modern toy lines that you you know you either get from Hasbro Pulse or Big Bad Toy Store or Run to Target or Walmart or wherever like stuff that we're actively collecting that's still being released uh because they're two very very different experiences and I've been thinking more and more about that lately and what I've been getting out of the different kinds of collecting and they both have fun things to offer but there's I think it's a great conversation to be had but I want to start it by sort of letting the listeners get to know you a little bit so when you were a kid there's a point where playing with toys turns into collecting toys uh and they both kind of intermingle forever but what what's the first toy line you remember having when you were a kid you know as a kid i i mean i was very fortunate as a kid where i did have a lot um, probably one of my earliest memories is waking up Christmas morning. I was I, I currently live in New Jersey, but I was born in Miami. I lived in Miami till I was about three or four years old. Um, one of my earliest childhood memories is waking up Christmas morning, running out to you know to see what Santa brought me, and I had Castle Grayskull set up, all the Masters of the Universe figures already like out. And I guess I guess like my parents were kind of smart like this where. Rather than me, like, tearing stuff apart and making a huge mess, I'm like three or four, they opened everything, and they set it up. 
So when I ran out there, like Castle Grayskull was set up and built. All the figures were like posed in it and on it. And so I was just, I was like in my L, like, oh my God, like this is the greatest thing ever. I loved He-Man as a kid. So that's probably one of my first memories of that. But then um, I have very fond childhood memories of the Remco three and three quarter inch Universal Monsters. Oh, wow. And so I still have my original ones to this day. I have the Monsterizer, which is a very valuable like accessory that goes yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that is actually where my obsession with Glow-in-the-Dark started because the figures had Glow-in-the-Dark skin. So that's where that started. That's where my obsession with Frankenstein started and monsters and horror in general. So this is going back, what is it, like 1983, I guess those came out maybe? Yeah, those were, man, if not older. I'm I, I'm not actually sure of the year, and I'll say this for the listeners. Go look up the Rimco Monsterizer uh, just to get an idea of, one, of how cool it is, but two, of the value that thing holds now. And there's actually two versions of it, too. There's the version for the 12-inch dolls, which is a little more common, and then there's the version for the three and three-quarter inch figures, which is highly uncommon. I had recently joined a, uh, like a Remco like Facebook group, and I posted pictures of my collection, and people were freaking out about it. And um, I, I kind of decided to do some like back research a little bit, so I checked eBay for it. That Monsterizer, like a loose one, goes for like five grand. Yeah, <laughs> that blew my mind. <laughs> because if. It, I will casually one of the and this is something we'll actually talk about a little bit more. Actually, you know what? We'll wait until we get to the eBay portion of the show that because works for me. I want to get a little deep into eBay, but we'll do it later on. Uh, but before we get too much further, uh, so those those Rimco Universal Monsters, Masters of the Universe, obviously legendary. If you're an '80s kid, uh, those were huge. What other kinds of things, as you got older, did you get into? Like, what other toy lines captured your imagination? Um, getting a little older, I remember getting really into the uh, the WWF LJN figures, and those still hold a special place in my heart to this day. Like, you could take somebody out with one of those if you throw it right. <laughs> right, right. Oh, man. Like, you clip someone like the ankle at one of those, oh, you're talking like a fractured ankle. <laughs> um, I was never violent with my toys. I want to throw that in there. <laughs> Um, and you know, actually listening to your last episode from last week, the Ninja Turtle episode, that really like got my mind racing. I remember as a kid, oh my god, man, I was so into the turtles. Like I remember going to the to KB. I bought the whole first, like the whole the four turtles, the Foot Soldier. Like that was like such a great line. I went crazy for that as a kid. But I liked a lot of the offbeat lines too, man. Like I'm gonna throw a couple out that like just like. Police Academy, I love those. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are fun. I wish they lasted longer. I also wish they were a little more accessible because I would love to build a collection of just, like, the cops, but I'm not going out of my mind, like, looking for that stuff, which... Um, those... Cops was another one I really, really loved. Cops and Crooks. Okay, so I loved that line, and I actually... Because my my main things were Star Wars, G.I. Joe, Migos before that... Uh, oh yeah, Ninja Turtles, and I, I had a few things here and there for other lines, but I really got into Cops because I loved that they had GI Joe articulation at yes. a six-inch scale. Of those characters, who was your favorite one? 
like aesthetically uh, to look at who was like the most pleasing you know you. what i gotta say buttons mcboom boom that's a good one. With That's that a damn pur- good one. That purple suit, his chest opened up and the little guns popped out. He had the he had the removable hat. Removable yes. hats are key to me. I love a removable hat on a figure. I do too cuz essentially then you get two and one almost. Yes, absolutely. And then And I love that. They had uh something that would never happen nowadays. They came with the cap firing guns that yes. they used. Yeah, I was a big fan of that line. As a matter of fact, I recently went and bought... Now, I don't know how long it's been since you've seen the cartoon. Um, I own the whole series on DVD. Usually about once a year, I, I kind of go through it. I do, too, because I <laughs> bought it on Amazon. It's probably been a year now. Uh, and I put it in, and unfortunately, I put it in like right after watching the whole run of G.I. Joe again. And Cops is a different... It's, it's a different tone. It's a different aesthetic. It, it, oh, yeah. I was expecting basically G.I. Joe in the future, but it's a different kind of thing. So you, it, it's honestly, it's more like the Ninja Turtles cartoon as far as the humor and everything goes. Uh, so I had to sort of turn my brain a little bit, but it's, man, it's beautiful to look at. I love the characters. Yeah, it, it's a great franchise, man. We could do a whole episode just about that. Oh my god! I can talk about that show for hours. <laughs> one of my, my my favorite character from that one is Doctor Bad Vibes. Mm. Yeah, he is amazing, and that's actually him. And, and it's funny you said buttons; those are the only two that I still own, just because of the looks of the characters. They're just they're gorgeous toys. So I, um, I'm trying to think who all I had. I had the, I can't remember his name right now. The chief who had the soft goods overcoat and the bionic body underneath. Bulletproof. Bulletproof. Um, I, so I had I had a few. I had a few. But at some point around 1990, 89, right around there somewhere, I turned Buttons McBoom Boom into a Joker figure because he had the purple suit or the – I guess it's really. more of a magenta. Dude, and it looked good. So I painted his head up to look like Joker, and then I took, I think, long arm – was he the riot guy who had the the sort of blue all over body armor that almost No, that was that was Mace. Mace. Long arm yes. long arm was the only one who was like a straight up oh, he actually actual looks like police a officer. Right, right. Yeah, he's the only one. Right. Okay, so I painted him black and made uh, a cape and a cowl for him and turned him into a 1989 Batman because I wasn't happy with any of the Batman and Joker figures that were around at the time. That's so, pretty brilliant. I I was I was doing some crude customization uh, around right around when I I turned probably eleven or twelve is when I started like not being satisfied with some of what the toy manufacturers were doing and and taking things into my own hands. <laughs> same same. Once I figured out that all you needed was a little Phillips screwdriver to take apart a GI Joe. Oh guys, yeah yeah yeah. That was that was it for me, man. I aside from a few like Grail Joes back in the day. Almost every single one was taken apart and rebuilt into into something else, like into what I wanted. I went like through as, a f- aside from like Snake Eyes and like Zartan and some of the key Cobra guys, there was no one safe. I went through a phase where, for some reason, I wanted all of my favorite characters, like the ones I considered the main characters, to have camouflage pants. That's so, awesome. <laughs> so, like everybody that had camo pants that wasn't one of my main dudes lost their legs to somebody else. That is fantastic. And that's another line I failed to mention, too. I had, as a kid, I had 
the entire first assortment of G.I. Joe, like the straight arm ones. Yeah, yeah. I had all those, like, and to this day, I still have my, my snake eyes from that time. Oh, that's fantastic. The rubber band hasn't broken yet, but you can see where it's going to. Yeah. And I guess from being a kid, like, the, the screw in his back is rusted over, so, like, I'm like, ah, when this breaks, that's it. No, you can get new screw. Uh, I actually, the, what what spurred this conversation is a buddy of mine got a toy collection from one of his friends and he he doesn't like he's got toys but he just doesn't have time to invest in like restoring them or maybe that much interest in in having them out and he brought everything over here and was like i know you'll be excited for these i know you'll take care of them so here you go here is it was a a large size tote with two like briefcases like attaches in it just full of toys and what turned out to be in one of those attaches was 98 G.I. Joe figures. Wow. With almost every single accessory still there. Uh, uh, some of them are straight arms. Some of them still have their thumbs intact. I mean, I'm talking out of that 98 figures, I think the number I came up with was 75 of them were like straight off the card. That's amazing. Dude, it's incredible. I've, I've got all the file cards. Um, so my son and I have spent several nights, several days, sitting down, cleaning them, taking them apart, putting all the accessories together, going to yojo.com to reference. Although, it's funny, once I got going, I pretty much remembered everything that went with everybody. Because this is it's from the first series of Joes in 82 up through about 87 is the range of where these figures came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some weird things missing. Like, I have Storm Shadow, I have all of Storm Shadow's weapons. I have his legs. I have his crotch. I have nothing else. His whole upper body is gone. Wow, that's strange. <laughs> it's weird, especially considering how many little tiny pieces are in there complete. But anyway, this, this windfall... Uh, is what got me thinking about it and what got me collecting. I, I am full-on trying to rebuild the Joe collection I had when I was a kid, and that's what's got me thinking about the different levels of reward we get from modern collecting and from vintage collecting. And to move uh, our, our kind of pre-conversation here along, what are you collecting now? I'm going to be honest with you. Modern toys don't really do it for me as much as older toys, so Almost anything I'm buying lately is vintage stuff. So going back to the conversation a few minutes ago leading into this, another toy line that I was huge on as a kid that I'm still huge into now is the Toxic Crusaders. Oh, yeah. So I have the entire line of action figures complete, and I'm army building Toxie. I'm up to 37 Toxies. I don't know why I'm doing this. It's just something I'm compelled to do. My my goal is a hundred. I was inspired by a guy I saw on Instagram actually. <laughs> wow. Um, he had, yeah, he had an account. He was called that trap jaw guy. Okay. He had like two hundred and fifty Masters of the Universe trap jaws. Wow. It was the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen in my life. He recently sold the entire collection to someone, but he had two hundred and fifty trap jaws, and I was just like, "Damn it, that is amazing." What what is interesting? Do, I need to do that. What an interesting and focused collection. Seriously, like, 
and so and like I've always loved the Toxic Crusaders. I love trauma movies. I love the Toxic Avenger. Um, I've always loved that figure of Toxie. So that got me into like maybe I can find more of these. You know, so I would I was like I love flea markets. I'm always at flea markets, and um, I would randomly find them in like the dollar or two dollar bins. So I, was, I slowly started like that, then just started hitting eBay. I got myself to, up to 37. I've kind of like cooled off a little bit recently because I've gotten into other things. Yeah, yeah. But um, as I see them, I just grab them no matter where I am. Like if I, if I go to like a toy show or a shop or a comic shop or anything like that, one of the first things I'm always doing is that they have like a bin of like Ninja Turtles. I'm digging through it for Toxies because that's usually where they end up. Well, and, and they're the same figures. Yeah, yeah. That to me, because that Playmates made both lines – and, and Dick Tracy, so it was like you had yes. like the triple threat going. Oh my god! Yes, and and that was uh, they they all intermingled. They were that same scale, that same body style, and to me, Toxic Crusaders w- might as well have been an offshoot of the Ninja Turtles line. I honestly feel like because that line only lasted like one one line. Yeah, and there's there's like photos of like a second series and stuff, but I sincerely feel like some of the later Ninja Turtle figures might have been like rejected toxic crusader or unproduced toxic crusader figures because some of the like later turtles figures make zero sense (laughs) that's very interesting i i hadn't even heard that thought posed before that's just that's just it's just a thought because if you really look at some of those like the last like three to four lines of ninja turtle figures you're just like like what the hell is this like this doesn't even go with what we're doing here so I partially feel like some of those might have been like drawing board Toxic Crusaders figures. Just, just it's always been a theory because they were under the same house, and nope. you know Playmates was definitely not one to waste uh, waste designs or parts. You know like, they could have easily have just a couple guys drinking. It's like hey. Hey man, what if we make a gecko stand upright and ride a skateboard? Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's entirely possible. And aesthetically, I mean, they had. I, I would be very curious to see the artists that worked on those lines because they there were so many. Like, if you look at something like Muckman uh, and the detail in him, and then you compare him to one of the Toxic Crusaders figures, like they they share aesthetics. They go right together. Oh yeah, hundred percent. The only major difference is the Toxic Crusaders used a lot more. Uh, neon and yes. the I guess the metallic colors in some of them. Well, all mm-hmm. the bad all the bad guys had sort of not you know not vac metal, but that metallic finish on some of their parts that made them stand out. It was so they looked like slimy and gross is really what it was supposed to be. So uh, modern collecting not as much for you. Is it because? there just aren't properties you're interested in or is there something about modern toy hunting specifically that that just uh, doesn't keep your interest i mean it, i would i wouldn't go as far as to say that because i mean like like believe me anytime i hit walmart or target or if i go to like a toy show or, or a shop i look at everything like, i'd say like the the best modern line that i've collected beginning to end was the dc movie masters figures going from all the three batman movies into Superman and the Green Lantern, like the Movie Masters. Yes, those I really liked. Yes, like, to the point I have all of them. Like those I loved. Um, part of what bothers me about modern collecting is okay. So, just brought up DC. It's a great example. You had the Movie Masters collection, and they were like roughly like a six-inch scale. 
when they stopped making those, they put out other movie figures in a different scale. And then McFarlane has the license, and it's a completely different scale. Yeah. So that, like, that really bothers me. I think that's part of what, and I, I am very much a modern collector, but like I said, I, I've, I've really started thinking a lot about what I had when I was a kid. Uh, and what I didn't have when I was a kid, which is another thing we're going to discuss. Uh, but with modern lines, there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding them. Like you said, how long is this really going to last? Are they going to get to characters that I feel are necessary? Is it going to change hands and all of a sudden I'm going to have a product that's maybe a little better, but that doesn't go with what I've got now? Exactly. And that really kind of takes me out of it a little bit i mean that's why like even though like star wars figures every couple years will change what they are Mm. so to speak they still have stuck to that three and three quarter inch scale so you can have your original vintage like bib fortuna standing next to your new gamorian guard and they're gonna work yeah they make sense aesthetically they may be a little bit different but as part of a display on a shelf it all works oh yeah and and that's like like, I, Star Wars is one, too. Like, I won't buy everything. But when I see something is coming out, I will I will go and pursue, like, maybe that one figure from, like, the new Black Series. Right, right. You, you know, things like that. But, like, the day – I think for me personally, the days of, like, trying to get an entire series beginning to end is probably behind me. Yeah, I've never been a completist. Uh, I've always bought – well, okay. I've always either just bought what I wanted – or in the case of the lines that have build a figures, you know, you end up having to buy like if if you want that awesome chemo figure from DC Universe Classics, you got to buy every figure in the way. You just have to. Um, and that sucks too because then does. you're stuck with like 3 to 4 guys you just don't want. And and then unfortunately, you you you're either stuck with them or you can try eBay, which the eBay conversation is coming listeners, hang in there. We'll get to it. Um yeah, modern toy collecting can be very frustrating. And, and then there's the fact, here's something that's been annoying me lately, is this whole thing with pre-orders, where oh, the toy yeah. companies announce things so far in advance, and they put the pre-orders up, so your excitement is devoted to something months from now, to where the stuff that's actually showing up at the time isn't, like it seems old even though it's brand new on the shelves and and this is an aspect of it that that has been kind of bugging me i'll definitely agree with that completely agree with that it's like especially like like you pre-order something you pay for it you're excited because like you just saw it now you bought it now but then like three to four months sometimes even longer when you finally get it so it's like the excitement kind of faded a little bit because the initial purchase is gone yeah, and that's I mean that's a key part of collecting is that that acquisition, that moment of I got this thing like Yes. And when that moment is diluted by the fact that you've spent the money but you don't actually have the thing, it takes a little bit away. It does. It really does. And um another part of like like modern collecting too. So an, another another thing that I I do collect like still, I love Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. a lot. Huge, huge Leatherface fan. Um, I got a huge Leatherface collection. I went on a little spurt where I was getting like anything, starting with the McFarlane Movie Maniacs, which is a 
gorgeous figure. It is. I think out of all the movie maniacs, I feel like that one has stood the test of time the best. It has, but it is unfortunately inaccurate. Oh. And a lot of people don't a lot of people don't know this. Oh, tell me. So the Leatherface figure himself is based on the original 1974 movie, which you know, if you're going to start somewhere, that's where you start. Sure. So the actual figure is that. The chainsaw he comes with is a less detailed version of the Excalibur chainsaw from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Which is why the blade is so long Which is, on the movie exactly. Maniacs one. Yeah, that's exactly why. I don't know why they went that route. Instead of, I mean, maybe it was just more artistically pleasing to them to do that, but it's highly inaccurate. Well, it seemed to me, at the t- because when these came out, what were they, 99 I want to say around that, yeah. Um, when these came out, and we actually, um, I, I recorded an episode with our friend uh, Dan Wilson from the Seeking Human Victims podcast, where we went through sort of a history of horror toys, and it seems to me that in 99, we weren't as focused on things being screen accurate as we are now with like NACA's stuff. And it was more the, oh my gosh, it's a figure of Freddy. It's a figure of Jason. Oh yeah, totally. I so agree with you 100%. The whole movie Maniacs line is like a little blurry as to what they're representing. It was more about like, it's Leatherface, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And and that, I'm, I'm not discrediting it at all, because like I said, the figure sure, is one sure. of my favorite ones. And then later with... um. Like, even before NECA, like, other companies were putting out leather faces. So I have one of at least every movie that he's been in. They only never made one for Part 4, which is an abysmal film that should never be seen by anyone ever. <laughs> I do not agree, but that's another episode. <laughs> oh, come on, man. It has its charms, that's all no, I'll say. No, <laughs> you can't call a movie Texas Chainsaw Massacre and nobody dies by a chainsaw. <laughs> I don't disagree with that, but like I said, the movie has its charms. I personally could never get into it. That might be our one disagreement is going to be that film. And that's but, okay. Um, that's okay. But they never made Leatherface from that movie. Which is Otherwise, crazy because he looks so interesting and unique in that one. He does. I'll, I'll agree with that. For the, the the five minutes you see him in the entire movie, he does, he does look interesting. Um, to this day, my favorite movie of that entire series is part three. Three is I love incredible. that movie. The teaser trailer is the greatest thing I've ever seen put the film ever of all time. Anyone listening, if you've never seen this, go to YouTube and type in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 teaser trailer. It is the single greatest two minutes you will ever have in your life. Well, the funny thing about part three <laughs> is, you know, I, I discovered horror in the VHS days way back in the day, as I'm sure you did. Yes. Um, and you just you go to the store you get the movie you take it home whatever and we didn't have the internet we didn't have we didn't keep track of our lives back then like we do now and i had just all up until a few years ago i had always just sort of assumed that i had seen part three and then somebody i don't think it was shout factory somebody put out a specific edition of it and I was like, oh, I need to get that. And I watched it and realized I had never seen it before. This was maybe four or five years ago. Oh, it's so crazy. good. Crazy. Uh, and, and it's, yeah, it was tremendous. It was great. I saw um, that in the theaters. 
So as a kid, my dad took me. I'm a little <laughs> kid. I saw that in the movie theater. So that's why it's my favorite one. It was the first horror movie I ever saw theatrically. I went with my dad. Um, so it just stood out as like it holds a special place in my heart. But getting back to the conversation, what I, where I was going with this, this whole little Leatherface tirade was so modernly collecting Leatherface, NECA, who does a great job of their figures. They're some of the best figures you can buy today, possibly ever. Agreed. But it's always just the exact same version of Leatherface. It's part one in the yellow apron and like the, the short sleeve, like button up shirt, like and that's all we get rehashed over and over and over again. Like Well now so to, just like it, so it's just like it's boring in a way. To be fair though, they have branched out in other lines because they, yeah, they put out that ultimate leatherface and it's incredible, but you're right, it it's the oh, same it old leatherface. But if you look at their those Mego style figures that NACA does, yes. they did. Um, I think it's a part one, two. They did what? They did two different versions from part one. They finally did part two. They did the part three one, and then they did other characters too. Like they did the Hitchhiker. Yes. They did Chop Top. So they have really there is a huge variety of figures out there. But even like that line is kind of like over as far as like chainsaw massacre goes so they've done them all so just again it just comes back to a rehash of part one leatherface where, where, over yeah. and over and, and over and that's again. what happens is they start over again and it's like ah we got enough of this guy but yes you know that's i i think that's just how these things work which is th- this is one of the points i wanted to get to is with modern lines, you just never know what's coming. You never know what's going to be completed or not completed. Yes. But when you're looking at lines that are over, lines that ended in 1987 or 1993 or whatever, you can sit down, you can look at every single thing that's a part of that line, and you can set a goal. Your brain knows at what point you're going to be satisfied with what's available. There's no wondering... It's it, to me, it's much more satisfying in a way because there's light at the end of the tunnel. I guess. Yeah, I agree with that, and that's why, like, re, like um, one of the things I started collecting recently, as far as like vintage vintage toys, and I don't know if it was like boredom from being you know under quarantine, like we all are. I don't know if it was like a real interest. I don't know what sparked this, but I decided to collect the WWF Maximum Sweat figures. Yes, dude. I've still got, um, I've I've probably got about 10 or 12 of them. I I don't want to say I collect the entire line because I have no need for four different Austins or Undertakers. Right, right. But I have one of every guy. And then I started making customs out of them just because like I saw how easy they were to customize. So I made, um, I did a Brock Lesnar. Oh, nice. That was an easy one to do. Then I, I just finished a, a Hollywood Hogan. I haven't posted pictures online anywhere of Hogan yet, but I finished a Hollywood Hogan. I'm waiting for a decal for his shirt to turn him NWO. And then I t- literally today, I right before we started talking, I took the, the masking tape off of all the paint-like areas. Yeah, yeah. I finished. I cannot wait to post this in the, in the, in, in the Facebook page. I finished a Zack Ryder maximum sweat figure oh my gosh that's awesome just be and like i have ideas for so many other ones and it's like do i really want to keep going with this because sure. i'm bored sure it, it, i mean i feel like i'm going to because it's, it's just fun and it's it's just something to do but like 
you know, like collecting that maximum sweat thing was just like, these are so ridiculous. I have to get them. Well, and that was how I felt about them back <clears> in the day when they came out. I loved that aesthetic, that over the top, because at at its base, wrestling figures can be a little boring. It's a guy in trunks and boots, and obviously, especially nowadays, a lot of wrestlers look really interesting. And then with the WWF Hasbro's again, you had the gimmicks and everything, but. Attitude Era, there were a lot of just trunks and boots people. Yeah, because the focus was really on realism back then. Right. Which is so crazy because, like, you figure that's considered one of the best eras of wrestling, especially for people like our age Mm -hmm. because of how, like, real it was. But physically looking at them, there was nothing overly interesting to look at. Aside from a couple of guys like Goldust or Kane – there was no one really over the top, like, wow, like, like, look at him. Like, that didn't really exist then. It was more about, like, did you see what he did instead of, like, yes. did, did you see what he looks like? You and, know what I mean? And that's, uh, you know, we all know the word toyetic. And mm-hmm. at the time, there just weren't as many toyetic wrestlers working. But this Maximum Sweat took some of the plain ones and made them toyetic with these over-exaggerated sculpts. And for the listeners, if you don't know what Maximum Sweat is, you probably, one, think it sounds absolutely disgusting right now. Uh, But they're they're these almost like Sam Keith-looking designs. Uh, Matter of fact, I I never really thought about that before, but they almost... That's a good... That's really good. Right? They almost look like the Max, the character that Sam Keith created. That is absolutely the most perfect description. They're like, yeah, they're just big, over-bloated, hunched over. Super vascular, muscular, crazy looking. And oh, so great. That cane is my favorite cane figure because the mask comes off. Before, and that was the first time it was yes. ever done. Yeah, it was before he ever took the, or before we even thought he was going to take the mask off. That thing had the removable mask, and granted, it's just Undertaker's face painted all like black and purple and stuff underneath. Yeah, but it was it was great. I love that Kane figure. I'm I'm a big big fan of that line, man. Yeah, me too. That's what it's. That's why like, I got into it, and then like you know, listen to you know certain things that like you know we we listen to right now. Um, well, Part we're, we're both, like, like, we're both like big for, fans I'm, of the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. Yeah. Anybody out there who, who has an interest in toys and in wrestling should be listening to it. Those guys have so much personality and so much knowledge, and, and pers- their personal experience uh, is, is a lot of what makes, makes it interesting. But it's a great show. We, we both thoroughly enjoy oh, it. Oh, yeah. And like the passion they have is, is, what's, is what's really great. And I think that's kind of what sparked me into grabbing these. But then it was like, I'm 40 years old, and I'm sitting here in my head like, do I want to do a fig fed with these? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I've even considered it like, uh, cause I, I'm still collecting the metal elites. Uh, I, I think, you know, me personally from, from a, because there are lots of different ways to rate. Isn't the right word, but there are lots of different ways to appraise an action figure line. Like it's it, it, how much you love it, how much uh, it represents, whatever it is it's representing. And, from a purely technical action figure standpoint, I think Mattel's elites are the greatest wrestling action figures ever created. Are they the most sentimental? No, but from a purely action figure point of view, I think they're the best and I'm still collecting those. And I've actually thought about a couple of times, like out of who I have, who would be my champ or my tag champs, (laughs) but I haven't gone down that road yet. 
So you see, so so to remedy that, what I did was because the maximum sweat figures before I started making the customs, is now that I now that I made the custom, I threw a monkey wrench into my own plan. But all of those figures are represented in the older WWF like video games. So, so what I did was oh, this is so this wow. is so stupid, man. Like I I got this is like this is what quarantine does to you. I got the old the WWF Attitude video game. Yeah. I booted up my PlayStation Two. So what I did was I wrote all the names on a piece of paper. I threw them into a box and I randomly drew names and I created brackets. And then I I let the computer simulate the matches. So I couldn't like skew it in any way. Sure. And that's how I crowned my champions. Dude, this is <laughs> this is what uh, because I was collecting during the ruthless aggression era. Um, when Jax had the license and what I would do, I would play the SmackDown versus raw games. So good. And I booked, I probably booked four or five years of two competing. I treated SmackDown raw as separate promotions, uh, two competing companies. And I would buy the figures to correspond with what I was doing in the video games. Uh, sometimes I would play the matches. Sometimes I would let it simulate them. It would depend on what my plans were. Uh, but yeah, that same deal, man. I, I would use the video games and the figures to to book my fantasy fig feds. It was more fun. It's more fun that way because then it's like, especially if you put it on simulate, you can't be biased. It's right, easy to right. sit here and say like, oh, I want Undertaker just to take everything. Well, you know, I mean, that's easy to do. But if you really wanted to add like the excitement. And the authenticity of wrestling to it, you let the computer simulate the matches. So because Maximum Sweat only had two belts, they had the WWF Championship and the Hardcore Championship, I couldn't just put them on whoever I wanted, so I had to let the computer <laughs> make, my, make my outcomes. Absolutely. So, so currently, Kane is my world champion, and Ken Shamrock is my Hardcore champion. Nice. Very Nice. And now that I'm making customs, like I said, I kind of threw a monkey wrench into that a little bit, so I don't know what I'm going to do, <laughs> because there is no Hollywood Hogan in WWF Attitude. There is no Brock Lesnar in WWF Attitude, so I have to well, kind of reevaluate a little well, bit. Well, what you've got to do is get SmackDown versus Raw and do some creative characters. And that's the and only I, answer. That, that is, and that's what I've considered, too. And again, with, with with nothing but free time on my hands right now, sure, um, there's plenty of time to do that. So, and, and I do think, you, you, you mentioned the current situation, and I think a lot of people are probably turning to eBay and have started collecting things that maybe under other circumstances they wouldn't have looked at. I, I don't know that I would be as immersed in rebuilding this G.I. Joe collection, if not for what was going on right now. Uh but with your own personal collecting, well, actually, yeah, to go back a little bit, at what point do you think you considered what you're doing to be collecting? Like, was there a line that you you, you mentioned the movie masters from Mattel, uh, but, but I would imagine it was probably before that. Was there a line where you were sort of conscious like, oh, I'm collecting this. This isn't just buying stuff to play with. Um, that goes back to being a kid, the Toxic Crusaders line. That came out right around, like, the toys came out right around my birthday, which is in June. Mm-hmm. And I remember I got, like, maybe, like, 100 bucks on my birthday that year. And I had gone to the local mall, and KB Toys, RIP, had the entire first line sitting there. 
and this is back in the day when toys were like five or six dollars a figure. Sure, yeah, yeah. I just bought the whole line right then and there. That's awesome. The only thing I I didn't buy then because it was a money thing, and I'm not buying now because it's an insanity thing, is the vehicles. I will not start the vehicle collection. That's completely not happening. More because out of like, there's like four of them. One of them is extremely rare, and I refuse to pay like 500 bucks for a vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like the space, like they they have to be mitten box if I'm going to buy them. So I'm just staying away from that. But that was probably the first one that I was like, yeah, I need all of these because look at these. This is this is amazing. I need all of them. And that was like that, the Movie Masters. And there's only, I think I can name probably one other line that I have the entire series of. And it was more recent. That was the WWE Zombies. Oh, yeah. Because I've got, I fell in love with those designs. I don't have the whole line. And I didn't realize until recently that there are a couple because again I wasn't trying to be a completist with that line but I was buying everybody that I liked or even somebody that had a really cool design that I liked I, I went outside of it in that Monsters line and got the uh, Oscar Braun Strowman and Chris Jericho those are so good too well Braun makes so much sense as a Frankenstein like character yes Oscar, I'll buy any Oscar figure that comes out that's just whatever and then the Jericho, where the list or his mummy bandages, like that was just too funny not to buy. But as far yeah, as I agree. The the zombies, uh, there are a few that came out towards the end that never made it to brick and mortar because I was just buying these from you know Walmart or Toys R Us at the time. Rest in peace. Uh, so I, it wasn't a matter of going online and looking for things. But then the last at least the last wave, if not the last two, were, were very difficult to find. How many... Were there three series of these? Uh... I think just three, yeah. Um, but anyway, whatever the whatever the last releases were didn't just show up at retail, not around here. Oh, anyway. yeah, because the last wave had um, Charlotte Flair... Kane, had both, Hardy, had both Hardy, Hardy Boys. Yeah, it was both Hardys, that's Kane, right. Kane is probably the nice one in the entire series. I oh know, my and God. I, I don't... I don't have him, and I looked him up the other day, and woo, he's a little pricey. Keep looking, because honestly, the last couple I needed were all eBay, under yeah. $10, mitten mitt card. I, well, so and that's it's it, pretty it's, easy. It seems to me like it's something that will probably die down a little bit, so I'm, I'm, I'm patient. Yeah. And that's the other good thing about collecting vintage lines is, in general, you can afford to be patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that whole... You know, we the the term FOMO gets used. That's fear of missing out, and that's something that applies to modern lines a lot more than it does to vintage lines. Because chances are, prices on vintage lines, like they may spike a little bit, they may come down a little bit, but in general, they they maintain while slowly increasing over time. I guess with modern stuff, one. One of the flaws of modern lines to me, and, and look, like I said, I'm a modern toy collector. I love modern toys, but this is just stuff I wanted to talk about. Uh, a lot of times, if you don't get your hands on it pretty quick, you know, with the distribution problems that there are right now, with the lack of retail, with with the retailers who are, they just don't care about this stuff. No, not at all. They They don't care. So... If you don't get your hands on something, 
the price could skyrocket to the point where you're not willing to pay it, and and that can really affect whether or not you even want to collect a whole line. To be honest, yeah, I agree with that. Like, it's nice that like stores like Target and Walmart put in like those specialty sections now, where they have like the net, like the little like you know four feet of like NECA toys. Like, oh yeah, like that's yeah. nice. But a, a great example of what you're talking about now is the re-release of the real Ghostbusters figures. Oh, dude, uh. they're only at Walmart's. I have three Walmart's in my area. Two of which the toy department, like the like the you know the quote unquote boys like toy aisle, right, is sixteen feet. It's usually ninety percent empty, so it's like it, it's impossible. That's the same situation we have here, and I hit. Uh, I don't hit them as regularly as I did a few months ago, obviously, but there are eight WalMarts within my circle of where I drive, like to go to work, be at home. Like it's just in that in a reasonable distance, I can hit eight different WalMarts. Every single one of them over the last couple of months has put up four pegs for those real Ghostbusters figures. I've never found a single one. Yeah, like it kind of takes the fun out of it a little bit. You know, like when you know that like they're going to be in a store, that just is not going to get them. And, well, and that's the other thing is with a lot of the Star Wars, I, the worst words I can see are Walmart exclusive. Yes. Uh, <laughs> because... Not every location gets stuff. They may get it and not put it out for months and months and months. You know, the number of times I've been waiting for an exclusive and then months later, it shows up in the clearance aisle because they just were clearing out the back, I guess. Who knows what happens with this stuff. Uh, And it's just very frustrating the, the system that's in place to deal with these things. And it's... You know, there's no choice. The toy companies have to deal with Walmart, obviously. They're the biggest toy retailer in the world. Um, Especially now when there's nowhere else to go. Like, you have no other option. Right. I mean, they're really choking the industry. But, again, with modern stuff, that's one of the issues is you have to deal with the modern system. Whereas with vintage stuff, you have a lot of different options, whether it's conventions, flea markets, or... Uh, the thing that I guess it's time to talk about a little bit, eBay. Mm-hmm. Which... Uh, before before we hit on that real yeah, fast, man. the one the one downfall to me about con- and I listen, I love conventions. I know you do too. Yeah. Um, I love like you know even like little local mom well, and pop well, like comic cons and those stuff. are the better ones really. Oh yeah, if, for toy I, hunting anyway. I agree to an extent. Um, I, I I'll take my art a lot of times to comic cons and I'll, I'll buy my table and set up. And the problem I started to notice at Comic-Cons is because it's currently popular and hot and trendy, um, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll buy my, my six-foot table, and I'll set up with my art and sit there and sell. I did one show about a year and a half ago. It was huge, like a huge, like smaller kind of Comic-Con, if you know what I mean. And um, so I had my six-foot table. Across from me, a local comic shop bought three tables – to my right against the wall another local comic shop bought four tables and do you know what they had at those tables pops that what i what i call the std of the collecting world <laughs> nothing but pop figures <laughs> oh man oh they yeah. truly are the std of they are the collecting world now and, and I'm, look. I'm sure i'm sure like me you do own at least a couple yes, of, of all, course we, we all have a few it's yes. unavoidable 
but it's like, oh my god, like you've got to be kidding me with these things already. Well, yeah, and it's it drives me crazy because no matter whether you're going to a Wizard World or a Dragon Con or a local mom and pop con or whatever, they're gonna find exa- you're gonna find exactly what you said is tables and tables and tables of these damn pops mm-hmm. rather than like cool or it's not even just pops though it's people that show up with marvel legends that you can go to target and buy right now like yeah what what is why why not bring cool older stuff that or even stuff from like five years ago maybe that's not on pegs it's weird to me and i really need to talk to to one of the vendors and and ask them what because obviously they're making money they're not they're not bringing this stuff and not selling it over and over and over again for the past. I, I would say this has been going on for at least three or four years now. I want to say longer, probably at least, longer. At least the one thing I'll I'll give them I'll give Funko credit for though. Anytime where like you think they've kind of like have like hit a wall with them, yeah, they find some little way to tweak it and innovate it. Like they made the the, the boxes of cereal. They right, made now right. they started putting them with like. You know, like you can go to Walmart right now and get Alfred Pennyworth with Wayne Manor. And you can get Peter Venkman with the Ghostbusters Firehouse. So they've done little things like that, or they, do, they they had like the Pez dispensers, like so they always find like that one tiny little tweak to reinvigorate your interest. And you're like, well, now I need another one. Well, and I don't have anything against Funko because they've come up with something brilliant that everybody loves to one degree or another and within their lane within the definition of what they do they're phenomenal because they provide no other lines deliver in the way like if you want pops you love what they do they deliver what you want Mm -hmm. in a way that no other toy line does but like you said, you know, we've we've got I don't even know how many we've got. I was going to say we've got a, a a dozen or so. I'm sure we've got more than that because anytime we see like we don't collect them, but when we see a character that it's almost uh counterintuitive that they would be a cute little figure, those are the ones we really gravitate towards. Like I bought the alien from uh Alien Covenant, the Xenomorph and that one, there's those are so good. Those alien ones are great. Yes. So so it's those <laughs> that are so like this adorable little thing, but it's it's a horrible monster, like that kind yeah. of stuff. We really really like. But yeah, you're right. It's not about Funko. It's about the people that are bringing pops into places where I'd rather see old Masters of the Universe, old GI Joe, and humanoids, uh, Mad Balls. Like I'd rather see that kind of stuff than table after table of pops i totally agree like there's so many times like i've gone this like some of these conventions as like a spectator which is money to blow like i've had extra yes. money I'm, I'm here to spend money and there's nothing no and i walk in i'm like it's nothing but pop figures like what the hell am i doing this is horrible yeah and that that happens to me more times than not and even like where i am in new jersey we have two really big awesome horror conventions here i know i'm so jealous of that I, we I've got heard another, chiller theater podcast, and monster mania another podcast i know we both love the purple stuff podcast yes who, who will talk about going to these conventions and i just sit down here in atlanta like oh so jealous Sexy Armpit's actually a very good friend of mine, um, and uh, him and I, you know, we've 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 gone to those and stuff. And um, 
But they've changed in recent years where, again, it's just absolutely riddled with these pop figures. Yeah, yeah. In- instead of, like, walking in with this money to blow on, like, either vintage toys or, or bootleg DVDs, now it's just pop figures. Yeah, it's it's very Come disappointing. On. And that, and <laughs> it that, really is. That's another thing that, that I think bigger conventions had to crack down on but but they don't i used to get well no no no. i'm talking about the bootleg dvds oh that yeah that, that's pretty much a thing of the past so much fun to go and find some bizarro out of print movie and look i i'm uh i'm i'm relatively or i, I would say i'm pretty thoroughly respectful of like copyright stuff because it's my belief if you create something you're the only one that should profit from it i 100 percent agree but if there's some old-ass movie out there that nobody's doing anything with, that nobody's going to see, TV show, whatever, and mm-hmm. I can pick it up for 10 bucks. I don't think that's really hurting anybody. Because nobody, uh, otherwise, yeah. like, nobody's making money off that thing anyway. I agree with you completely on that. That's, so that's and, and that's, and, and, and when I say bootleg DVD, that's what I mean. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, walk in there and buy the, the guy, you know, recording Avengers Endgame on his, right, on his cell right. phone. That's, that's despicable. That's bullshit. That is, yeah, completely but atrocious. If you're buying like an ancient copy of some seventies, you know, eight millimeter movie that horror movie that you know some dude made and no studio is ever going to pick up now, that like not even Vinegar Syndrome is going to touch this thing. Oh yeah, then yeah, it's fine. Let's let's like, overlook that. Even like goddamn it, like I want my copy of Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. Why can't oh, I get this somewhere? Yes, seriously. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, so we got to talk a little bit about the ups and downs of eBay. Um, obviously, especially right now, because there no, you know, in, in a in a better world, there I would have two conventions coming up pretty soon where I could go and load up on the GI Joe figures that I want. Mm-hmm. These these are not happening. I can't even go to like like right now. I don't even really want to go to like the antique stores we've got around here, like the the booth scenarios where. People have their own little booth that's a section yeah. of a much larger store. Um, we've got a few of those around us, and they've got a couple of toy booths. And you, I don't know that G.I. Joe is something I'm going to find, but you can go look. It's fun to go look, which is another is. part, another aspect of the vintage toy hunt that's a little more enjoyable because you can go without an agenda. When I go to Target now, I'm going to find the like WWE Elite Collector Series figures that I know they're never going to have in stock. And that thrill of the hunt is gone too, in a way, because it's like back in the day, you could walk into a like you know like KB, and it's like, oh my god, I didn't know these were even coming yes, out. Yes. So it's like excitement. Now it's like you can go to almost any like Facebook page, and it's like, hey, I just saw the new Marvel Legends in this Target, like right now. Getting in my car, I'm going. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and even and, if you do happen across a new thing, well, you already knew it was coming out. Yeah. There's no more. I remember going into Toys R Us and seeing the Toy Biz Marvel figures for the first time. That first wave that was like Cyclops and Wolverine, like in '92, maybe. Oh, those terrible ones with the no five-inch ones. Yeah, the yeah, five-inch oh, ones. Great. That, oh yeah, they. But I remember seeing those for the first time, having no idea they were coming out, and just being like, "Oh my gosh, they're X Men action figures!" It blew my mind. Uh-huh, I remember that. Um, and that doesn't happen anymore, because now we no. know everything that's coming out. So you're never going to walk into a store and just be like, whoa, look at this cool new thing. 
Uh, but that's that's you know just how things are now. But that vintage toy hunt, you can just run around to your antique stores or whatever, and you don't know what you're going to find. And it may be something exciting, it may not. But chances are you'll see something interesting at least, as opposed yeah. to going into Target and seeing you know 500 figures of the same peg warmer that's been there for the last three months. Uh, but as far as eBay goes, it's there's no denying like it's a resource. It's a way to get stuff. Yeah. Uh, if you're a buyer, it can be a whole lot of fun. If you're a seller, I feel like it's designed not to your benefit as a seller. I, I yeah, I agree with that. It definitely is. It's 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 so weird too because like you would think they would really want to work with sellers to make this this great easy thing to use it's just like they don't care because they know they've got you if you're a seller right right this there's is like there's this is your there's, n- there's nowhere else to, i mean there are other places to go but no one has like that reputation or it's not even it's like you know like like when people like talk about soda you just say coke right right Be- because it's just it's just coke that's just soda now ebay is a brand now people feel as comfortable exactly. buying things from ebay as they do from walmart target amazon whatever exactly and it's if you're just talking about online sales there's only two names that stand out that people recognize amazon and ebay and that's that's it yeah in in a lot of people's heads there's no other online sales except for ebay or amazon that's just the way it is so those 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 aren't even like name brands anymore they're just like that's just what it is yeah did you you, you buy that on ebay you get that on amazon that's it and people will would say those without even necessarily specifically meaning those exactly in in the same way that every facial tissue is a kleenex yeah or every single cotton swab is a q-tip it's just it's a q-tip right exactly that's just what it is uh so i've i've been on ebay i've been trying to hunt down certain parts i need uh arms with thumbs on them things like that and i've also come to the point where i'm selling some stuff on ebay because the game that I'm playing with myself now is a version of Would You Rather, <laughs> where I've been looking around my room. For instance, I looked at my because I I made I haven't revealed this anywhere yet, and I'm not going to now. But I made a massive toy holy grail purchase a few weeks ago you keep teasing this i'm dying to know what this is i know i i mean you know what i'll tell you off air i'll tell you off thank you Uh, you will be the first person outside of my family to to know what this is i'll tell you i will i will not tell a soul you i swear and for the for the (laughs) listeners uh this these are the kind of perks you get for coming on the needless things podcast i guess and and for the listeners do not private message me and ask me i will not tell you (laughs) um so i made this big purchase and afterwards, like, no regret whatsoever. And I have it now, and I'm delighted every single day. I'm just like, yes. So, but I was like, that was a lot of money. Let me take a look around, and maybe there's something that if I put this next to that, I think, you know what? This is bringing me joy. This is just sort of here. And there were a few things that I was like, I, I could part with those with the knowledge that they're making up for this new thing that I have. So I looked at my Mattel retros, and I decided that line's dead. They don't 
have a sentimental value to me. I was collecting them because I was collecting them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bundled them all up, put them on eBay. And how now, many did you? How many did you have? Uh, Thirty-two. Wow. So did you have like like some of the heavy hitters too? Yeah, like the I did. Roman Reigns and I, stuff. I didn't have Roman. I never bought Roman because I was as much as you know. At this point, we all of course love and respect Roman Reigns. But when that figure came out, I I just wasn't a fan. I didn't hate the guy. I didn't think he was ruining the programming. As a matter of fact, I, I at that point I even felt like more often than not he was delivering these really big like impressive matches. He was doing the John Cena thing. He was going out and having the big matches. Uh, but I just I, I I just wasn't a fan, so I didn't buy the Roman figure. But I had um, Kane and Taker and Foley and. Uh, uh, almost all of the early figures. The only missing a few of the later ones, like I never saw a junkyard dog. Um, so it it was a it was a good set, and I made back most of what I spent on that other purchase. So it that's felt fantastic. Really good. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's and it's such a good feeling. One now I've got more shelf space for other wrestling figures that I have that I that have been in a tote <laughs> for years. Uh just just because you know space is a premium um but i found the selling experience to be a little frustrating because you know you get people trying to lowball you you'll get that that instant met or that message you know hey i i see you've got the the price listed at this i'll pay you this right now and i'm like it's been up for like 20 minutes maybe i'll give it a few days and see what happens like that kind of stuff where people are are just i guess annoying about it it's it's weird to me that as a buyer i want to be as respectful of the seller as possible i want to get all the information i can get about the thing that i'm buying but like i'm not going to slide into somebody's dms and be like hey yo cut me a deal complete stranger the only time i've done that on ebay i will admit is if they had like something in like in like a bulk lot like you just said so all those retros right right of the ones you named, I only want Kane. Right, right. So it's like I might shoot out a message like, "Listen, you know, if this doesn't sell, would you consider breaking up?" Seeing that, I don't mind that. I that I've done a million. That times. that's just business. Like that totally makes sense. But hey, it's been up for twenty minutes. Sell me that whole lot for fifty bucks less than your minimum price. I'm like, dude, get out of here. What do you? Why would you even send that? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a little <laughs> ridiculous. That's. Um, or, or I had another one. I've got a lot of the um, the Super Seven Iron Maiden figures, uh, the first wave that came out. Those I've are got, awesome. Yeah, they're they're awesome, and I bought them because I I love Iron Maiden, but I I just don't need them. And when I looked at what they're selling for right now, I was like, I really don't need them. So I put those up, and this guy shot me a message talking about like, well, you're charging way too much for the shipping. These figures weigh this much. This weighs this much. And I'm like, dude. I don't mess with shipping because I got burned so bad on shipping as a seller early on because I didn't like I didn't really know what I was doing and I lost a lot of money like when I a few years ago I was much more active on eBay than I am now and uh, I was like whatever eBay is telling you it is to ship that's how I'm gonna ship it and that's what it is if it's too much for you go buy them somewhere else like, yeah I agree with that that's, that's you know, it's funny because we're kind of sitting here saying, saying all the bad things about eBay, but at the same time, it's such a great resource. And that's what I want to finish on is the great things about it because there are so many. 
there really are. Like, you know, for example, I mentioned before the WWF Maximum Sweat Figures. Um, there, there's a couple of online stores that have them, maybe at prices I don't necessarily want to pay. But if I truly can't find that one guy that I want, I will pay the money for it. Right. But let me scour eBay first for it for a couple of days and let me see what pops up. And nine out of ten times, you can usually find that one figure you wanted at a pretty decent price. If you don't mind it loose, if you don't mind it incomplete, you can usually get some really, really good deals on eBay. And that's a lot of what I'm buying now between the maximum sweat figures between you know trying to find like loose like toxies from my army you could do pretty good there sometimes so it's it's invaluable for that it's it's almost like a flea market from the convenience of your own home and and that's the one of the huge advantages of collecting vintage is you do have the ability to be patient and look and see okay here's five of this thing they're all little more than what i want to pay right now i'll just wait Mm-hmm. and see what else pops up because there's stuff popping up every minute. Yes. So it depending, is... depending on what you're looking to collect, too. The further back you go, the harder it is. Yeah, it, it'll depend a lot on... I mean, you know, you know, as a collector, I think we all have a general idea of how scarce whatever we're looking for is, whether it's because it's popular or whether it's because it's actually too obscure and nobody cares about it. Um, because, and mostly being an eighties kid, I think we're fortunate in that most of what we're looking for is, is out there to one degree or another. Like there was uh there's two things that I've spent years wanting. Um, and one of which I acquired, you know, about, about a couple of years ago through eBay, there was, and see, this is, a, this is, I have this childhood memory of getting this game with dracula in it oh man so let's so, oh so i hope you know what i'm talking about yes, here. Yes. so i have this amazing childhood of getting this game that came with this little felt marker almost where it looks like dracula bit you mm-hmm. but what had happened was i had opened it and my mom and dad were still sleeping so i took this little thing and i dotted their faces with it. <laughs> they both woke up and thought there was something wrong they couldn't figure out what the hell happened to them Turned out, I just got into my gifts and I saw this thing and I dotted their faces. They had like chicken pox for the day. So for years, like nobody knew what I was talking about with this Dracula game with a clock on it. So uh, through years of searching, I somehow stumbled upon it. I want to bite your finger. See, I couldn't remember. I remember you used the marker to color his teeth, right? No, what it is? Oh, is, what is it? It's it's almost like a felt tip, like Crayola, like marker. But there's two things on it, and it's it's half inch big, and it goes behind the figure's head. So the two little like felt tip markers are his actual teeth. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Is like the figure actually does bite you and leave the little marks, though. It does. It's like it's a clock, and every turn, instead of rolling a dice, you move the clock a space, and you move your little game piece a space. If he opens his cape, you put your finger in his mouth, and you push down his head, and he bites your finger. Yeah, yeah. I spent years looking for this, but no one even knowing what I was talking about to even get any help. Finally, I found one on eBay. The seller did not know what they had. I got this thing complete, perfect condition with a box that's an 8 out of 10 easily. Oh, man. With, with the instructions. 
if you look for this thing now, it can go for a couple hundred bucks. Sure. Shipped. And it was under $20. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. It is one of the prizes in my collection to this day. It's like, and it's, it's more just like the, the like the, the, like the, the sentimental like memory from a kid with this thing is really what it was that I had to have it again. So like, that was just like, like the hunt was on and just through eBay, I got it. And there's another childhood toy that I've been searching for on eBay. Um, the actual toy itself does not exist anymore because they don't hold up over time. Oh man! But do you remember Manglores? Yes, yes. Yeah, that you so, literally like pull them apart, right? Yeah, you can pull them apart. Like the whole the whole gimmick was like you can pull them apart and like put them back together. Yeah. But he was just made of this like crappy like like a solidified like slime material. Yeah. Once you pulled them apart, it was done. It was over. But the stuff he was made out of just does not last. So people that do have them. He's just like a little like inside of like the bag. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a little pile of like sludge. <laughs> there was a playset, Manglore Mountain, that I could potentially get, and I'm 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 watching a few on eBay, but I'm not going crazy for because I didn't have the mountain as a kid. I just want a goddamn Manglore, but like they do not exist because they didn't last. Yeah, but I that's... look. I still look. And that's the problem I've had with like Mad Balls and Boglins, is what they're made of doesn't it's it doesn't fall apart like that manglore does but in all likelihood they're in pretty bad shape i still have my boglin from when i was a kid and if you took good care of it they they lasted yeah my boglin's in perfect shape still but most people didn't and that's the problem no they did not your your sort of standard wear that happens on Star Wars, G.I. Joe's, whatever, that you can clean up and kind of get them back looking good, that kind of standard stuff really destroys Mad Balls and Moglins. And then that's, oh, yeah. I lucked out, probably my greatest find along the line of, of the Dracula game, uh, when I first discovered shopgoodwill.com, which is like eBay, but it's based out of Goodwill stores, uh, this was years ago, before everybody knew about it, I got an original... It was the Boglin that I had when I was a kid, uh, Dwork. I got him in the box for like 26 bucks. That's a steal. It was insane. At the time, it was insane. Now, it's even more outrageous. But he's in beautiful condition. The box isn't fucked up at all. Like, it it looks like it just came off the shelf of Lionel Playworld. It's crazy. That's how mine is. I had drool, and um, the box is, like, perfect on them. And I want to say about 15 years ago, what I did with him was I got a bunch of old socks that I balled up mm-hmm. to stuff them. That's exactly what I've got. I've got um, – I, I put a in him and in – I've got the – I can't remember his name right now uh, – the jack-o'-lantern one. Those things were so awesome. The my, Halloween ones. Oh, my man. wife gave me – hers or it might have been her brother's i'm not sure but anyway she gave me the one that they had in their house when they were a kid and uh, he took some cleaning but he cleaned up that orange is so bright once you get it clean uh but yeah same deal i just i just wadded a bunch of it might be a t-shirt actually it might be one of my son's shirts but to to keep them full so they don't collapse and they look great they're incredible yeah they look good like that all right well we gotta wrap this thing up but before we go, uh, you, you've already mentioned uh, a, 
a grail piece that you've found, but is there anything that would just light your eyes up if you ran across it somewhere out in the wild or if you saw it for the right price on eBay? Is there something you're looking for now that you would consider to be like one of the ultimate additions to your collection? I have three things that I'm always actively looking for. Okay. Two of them are of The Undertaker. One of them was a Toy Fair convention exclusive. It was the Unmatched Fury Undertaker, where he's like, it's the, it's like, they were like the statues almost. Right, right. He's all glow in the dark. Oh, yeah, yeah. I need that. Then there was the Toy Fair magazine exclusive, classic superstars Undertaker glow in the dark. They, they, they're, they're, they made a hundred of them. Oh, that's, a, that's another grail piece, that Oof. Jesus Christ, like yeah, to have yeah. either one of those, one, because of my wrestling obsession and two to go with the glow in the dark obsession like i need these well that's one of my recent purchases is that uh bone crunchers series two glow in the dark undertaker that i didn't even know existed until the the guys brought it up on the uh, wrestling figure podcast and that one's cool but the two that i'm talking about are just made of glow in the dark plastic yeah yeah they're oh my god they're gorgeous i had recently gotten a glow in the dark ring which is amazing I saw, I was watching a glow-in-the-dark ring on eBay for a long time. Um, It's one of the Jax rings, right? Yep. I was watching that thing, and I was just, I couldn't quite commit to what they wanted for it. So I I let it go. I'm going to assume it was the same one, because it was the only one up there for a while. I talked to Seller down a little bit. I got a great deal on it. Nice. Very happy with that. Um... But as far as the other grail pieces that I'm looking for, if I could find any production samples or prototypes from the unreleased second wave of Toxic Crusaders, that would... Oh, sure. I would lose my mind. Like Zombie Sailor Toys, who's like a huge asset to the toy like world right yeah, now, it's like yeah. online, he got the mayor prototype in his collection. Um, oh, which my is, gosh. Oh, my God. I think it's, if, you go, if you go to his Instagram and you go back a little bit, it, it's on there. The thing is amazing. Um, there's a page I follow. They have two copies of the Wave 2 Toxie prototype, which is pretty much the exact same figure minus the stupid headband. Yeah. Um, and I always, like, I'm like, listen, if you, and they, they post pitch all the time, and I always either comment or DM them, like, if you ever want to sell this, please tell me. Like, I'm not one to drop a ton of money on toys. I'm really not. Like, if I can't get it, somewhat affordable just it's just it's not going to happen for me it is what right, it is right. you know, i don't need it that bad yeah i will drop money on this Oof, I, man. I, yeah like that's how bad i want this damn thing like <laughs> i i am prepared like i'll i will sell a kidney whatever i gotta do at the time <laughs> like yeah that's how bad i want one of these but any of the prototypes that came with series two because there were at least production samples there was a toxy another kill em off uh toxy's mother the, the mayor um, some I forget the the names or some like offbeat villain from an episode they made. Like I I, I want any of these things, just any of them. <laughs> oh, just man. just to have like in like my my detox with all my Toxic Crusader stuff. So that's probably like my number one thing I would say is those Glow Undertakers or a Toxic Crusaders prototype. What about you? What's what would you consider like your 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 Grail of Grails or is it what what you bought that you're not telling anyone yet? Well, um. One of the big ones for years that I've been looking for was the Masters of the Universe Classics Wondar. 
which I finally pulled the trigger on a couple of months ago. Uh, if you go to the Needless Things YouTube channel, you can see the unboxing on that guy. He's great. I'm thrilled. I feel like that collection is uh, it's more complete. There's still a couple of figures that I skipped early on that I, I wouldn't mind going back and having, but also if I never get them, it's not going to kill me. It's one of those things... One of the advantages of, of toy lines like that is is you can have that attitude of, well, if I see it, I'll get it. If I don't, eh. You know? Yeah, I agree. Kind of off topic here. What's like your favorite Masters of the Universe figure? Your number one be-all, end-all for He-Man collecting? Now, specific figure or character yes. in general? Specific, actual, in-hand action figure that you can pick up physically hold in your hand from the entire original masters line from like beginning to when it ended like when it got a little weird towards the end like but oh the so the original masters okay. ju- just the originals yeah now, like, the, like I, 2000 ones were cool and the new ones are nice but i'm just old school 80s he-man toys I, number one figure only had a few when i was a kid i never got deep into that line i love the cartoon but I always found the figures kind of frustrating and limited. Mm-hmm. So I only had a few. And I did not have this one, but he is my favorite figure from that line. And, and actually, a, a friend of mine got me a completely restored one a few years ago, and that is Trapjaw. That's a damn good choice, too. That is a great character, man. I will buy almost any Trapjaw figure that comes out. I even bought... Uh, because I'm not, I'm not collecting Super Sevens, their Reaction Masters, but I bought two different Trap Jaws that they did. Um, I got. Why not, well, why not the Reaction ones? Uh, I, I just I, I love Reaction figures, but to me, that aesthetic, I, I just didn't want to get into that because I've got the classics, I've got the whole classics line, and I don't think Good there'll point. ever be a better Masters of the Universe line. Although I do plan to go all in on this Origins line that's coming out. Those are nice. Oh my gosh, they look so good, man. I'm so excited to find those in the store. Um, I, I That one dar is a big grail. The other item uh, is massive. If I, if I got really out there and crazy, I would say I would want a USS flag if, if the right conditions presented themselves. Because uh, I had one when I was a kid. I was one of those kids. Wow, I never had one. And, right uh, before this whole like pandemic thing started... I went to a, like a really good toy show in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and um, one of the tables, the guy had one mint in box. Like the box was brand new off the Toys R Us. So, like, oh my shelf. gosh. <laughs> People were just walking by in awe, jaws hanging open, taking pictures of this thing because yep. nobody could believe that this guy had this just like sitting behind him on like a riser I, I've never seen anything like it before. Just the fact that people were literally awestruck. Like you would have thought that like Duke and Flint themselves were right there holding the box. I think it inspires so much awe because on a technical level, it is the greatest accomplishment in the history of toys. I agree with that. Uh, and I, I think that's why even people who, who maybe didn't collect GI Joe or people who are a little too old or young, to have gotten into real American heroes still have this weird like reverence for it. I think it's because regardless of how you feel about GI Joe, the accomplishment of that thing is just undeniable. Agreed. 
Well, Bob, we got to wrap it up there. Before we go, please tell us once again where we can find you online, what you're up to, and a little bit more about Glowmania. Well, Glowmania is uh, glow-in-the-dark art. Everything is hand-painted. I do a lot of horror, a lot of pop culture. Pretty much anything you can think of, I'll paint it. If I don't have it and you want it, I'll do it. Um, you can find me online on Instagram at Bob Burke Art. Facebook, the same thing, backslash Bob Burke Art. Um, the Facebook page is probably the best place to see everything I've ever painted ever. Um, not a huge – I don't have like an online store, but if there's something you see on there that you want, shoot me a message. We'll work it out. Um, currently right now, I'm not really up to too much with the art thing because of the current situation of the world. Yeah. All the uh, shows I had planned have been canceled or postponed. So in light of that, I kind of decided where I think I'm just going to sit 2020 out. I, I think just that's to, a solid call for like a lot of us. Yeah, like I didn't really want to make that, that, that decision – but shows like I was supposed to have a show this past weekend mm-hmm. that was that this past weekend was already the pushback date. Pushback again. I can see it getting pushed back again. So I've kind of just like have taken the mindset of like, you know what, just gonna use this year. Just gonna sit this year out. I'm gonna bulk up, I'm gonna paint a lot of stuff. I just kind of designed about twenty new paintings that I'm gonna start working on soon, just so I can go back into twenty twenty one with a huge inventory, huge selection. Like I said, everything I paint glows in the dark. I also make magnets. I'll buy like either I buy them or I create my own molds, and I make resin magnets that glow in the dark. Um, one I just actually did. I'm very proud of. I picked up at a toy show a vintage '70s Frankenberry cereal. He was came in the box of cereals. He was like a little car. I molded that and I made pink glow magnets out of that. Oh, that's awesome. Just little things like that, you know. I I've bought like you know like a lot of stores like the ice cube mold, like the the silicone mold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's like a Hansel and carbonite one, and like Darth Vader heads. Like I've bought those, and I'll make the I'll make those. Everything has to glow though, and that's why I am the glow in the dark world champion. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Absolutely, absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me on. This was an absolute blast. Thank you very much. Thank you to everyone listening too. I will go ahead and tell you guys right now that Bob is going to be back sooner than later. We've already actually discussed what our next toy collecting episode is going to be about, and I'm excited about it. You guys, I'm excited about a lot of episodes that are coming up lately. I have, uh, I, I don't know, I, I've we're going to be talking about toys a lot in the near future, and it's just going to be one of those times where the Needless Things podcast is shaped even more by sort of what's going on in my life but i'm i'm just really invested in a few things right now and toys are definitely one of them now having said that there's a new needless commentary on the way it's going to be recorded two nights from the night that i am currently speaking which is tomorrow night to you uh and it will be up is it next week? I think it's next week's episode. So it's a, it's coming a little early in the month, although it's not early in the month because it used to come in the middle of the month all the time, and we just have been kind of late lately. But this is this is a big one. This might be the biggest needless commentary, the most important. This might be the most important needless commentary we've ever recorded. 
So you're going to want to tune in. Believe you me. Uh, and I've got the next three episodes after that already like laid out. My new work schedule is letting me now record on Mondays. Like I don't have to jump all over the place trying to find times to record anymore. I just I record on Monday. And if you can't do that Monday, well, we'll pick another Monday. But it's my life already is so much easier because of that. So that's a good thing that has come out of, of work for once. Uh, please tune in. Spread the word. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh.